Welcome to Gardening Naturally with Jeff Ferris. Call or text Jeff now with your gardening and landscape questions. 512-836-0590. Hey, good morning, gardeners. Um, another hot day. That's uh, nothing different, I guess. At least another week of hot weather. Somebody may get some rain this week. I just know it probably won't be me. So I'm, uh, I, well, we're all in a situation where it's been so hot, so dry, that we have such a big risk of fire. And guess what? Um, it's Labor Day weekend, which means lots of barbecuing. So everybody be smart and careful, okay? We have fires that break out for the simplest of reasons. Um, Don't park your car in the grass, things like that. We're really at risk. The next week, the highs are all above 100. A whole week of 100-degree temperatures and Looking at the news, they think that there may be another week of 100-degree temperatures. It is just unbelievable what we're getting in terms of our weather. Really hard on the garden. There are very few things that are going on in the garden that require you to get out there and do something. Water is probably the only thing that is very important. And if it's your watering day, make the most of it. Long, slow soaks, good deep watering. No little few minutes off the sprinkler. Um, And the drought monitor from this Thursday I'm looking at, we are in exceptional drought for Travis, Williamson County, it has just, it is just so brutal. So if you're going to be out in the garden, out there early, folks, get out there early and limit what you're going to do, you know, hat, um, sunscreen, uh, appropriate clothing, so that you're not getting toasted in this heat. And the earlier you get out there, the less pain you're going to go through. Now, what do we have that's going on that we need to actually be out there to do anything? Um, Most of us can just kick back. This is a good time to start seeds indoors. There's all kinds of seeds that we're going to use in the fall. Why not start them indoors? That keeps you gardening. And when the weather finally breaks and son of a gun, we get things like rain, you can go out there and plant them. A little potting soil, a container, some seeds, and away you go. And it doesn't take a lot. You just need a spot 
maybe with some light, with a window to shine in there to help those plants get started. Let them grow a little bit and we return, we return to what would be considered much more normal weather. And you've got a head start. I guarantee you got a lot of stuff to replace in that garden. It makes no sense to replace it now because of the heat. The plants are not the only thing you should worry about. You should be worried about you. High labor in this kind of in this kind of heat, wow, not good. Not good. So keep an eye keep an eye on what's going on. Sit with a seed catalog. And maybe you can start what you think you're going to have in your fall garden. And, you know, I have fall tomatoes growing right now. They're in containers. They're looking good. They're getting big and tall. But I could have planted any seed. I could plant for flowers, trees. There's all kinds of things that you can start inside and, and get ready for when we get to our fall garden. I don't know if you noticed this morning, I sure did. It's still kind of dark out in the morning and it's getting darker. November 5th is our fall back time. So for the next roughly six weeks, it's gonna be darker and darker every morning. That'll be one thing, we'll get less hours of daylight. That will be one thing that will help moderate the heat. It's not gonna be like, oh, tomorrow we're 82 degrees and we're never going to get above that again till next summer. No, but we're starting to get the right conditions to get a break from this kind of heat. Now, with it being dark early out, let's remember all those kids going to school. Uh, they're out on the road, and it's dark out, so we got to kind of pay attention. And the plants that you're planting, your fall crops, they're not going to be bothered by more and more dark early in the morning. They need X number of hours of sunshine, if you have a full sun plant, well, just plant it where it gets full sun, however long that may be. If you have a plant that says it wants shade, well, you are going to see areas in your lawn that find that get really shady and you can plant those in the appropriate place. But I'm not going outside to do labor in this kind of heat. I'm not, I'm not lazy. Well, I am lazy, but I'm just being efficient here. Nothing we're doing requires us to be out there in 100 degree weather, doing lots of hard labor, trying to save the garden, especially when we have maybe a couple more weeks of 100 degree temperatures. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. We need to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. 
Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome back, gardeners. Okay, folks, I made a mistake last no- uh, yesterday on the show. I gave you a wrong reference, and I want to correct it. Journey North does a very good job of monitoring a lot of creatures that migrate. Monarchs are their bread and butter. However, they don't monitor purple martins, and I said they did. They do not. You want to go to the Purple Martin Conservation Association. They can keep track of the purple martins and where they are in Texas as they come uh, come up from South America, but not Journey North. Journey North is a great butterfly source, especially the monarchs, and they are showing up in our area now. We really need to do what we can to get those blooming flowers out into the yard because the butterflies do not need milkweed right now. They're not laying eggs. They need nectar. They need a food source. And lantana, uh, flame acanthus, uh, Greg's mist flower, if they're blooming, you're helping provide a food source to those butterflies. But we don't need milkweed right now. The butterflies, the monarchs are heading south to Mexico where they will overwinter and make the return trip to our part of the country early in the spring. That's when they will be laying eggs like crazy. So if you can, Try, 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 whether they're in containers or you're, you're fortunate to be able to use things like um, wastewater from your bathtub, um, air conditioner condensation, but try to keep as many blooming flowers going as you can so that we can get food for these butterflies. They're, they're gonna need it. It's a long trip to fly to Mexico. But again, I, my mistake was referencing that Journey North, definitely the premier site for following the migration of the monarchs, they do not track Purple Martins. You can go to the Purple Martin Conservation Association. That'll come up on the web easily. And they track the Purple Martins. Right now, most of the Purple Martins are probably on their way out. They're heading south again already. Um, they, you know, they'll congregate in mass. It's like they all get together and agree, you know, who's my flying buddy? And they'll all congregate at one spot. Well, I happen to be sort of one of those spots this year when I would have over 100 Purple Martins at one time on my 
Purple Martin House and on the telephone pole, power pole, next to my home. The noise was amazing. It is, it, it's pleasant noise. It's not some terrible screech, but you could hear it in the house with all the windows closed and the doors shut. And you could hear them through the house. They were so loud. And then one day, boom, they're all gone. They, they must draw straws or somebody decides and it's okay, let's head south and away they go. Going to be taking the Purple Barton house down as soon as it's cool enough to go outside and do so. Clean it out, close it up, and I'm going to leave it down low. Why? That is one way that you can keep the house sparrows out of it. They're not going to set up a nest when it's at the bottom of the pole. That also means you don't have this big flag on a 10 or 15 foot pole where a heavy wind is making that pole wiggle back and forth. It won't knock the house over in the breeze. But again, there's no reason to have to be outside in this heat. That is not a critical thing that I need to do right now. It's on my list. It's one of the things I plan for in uh, when we get better weather. So um, I have a text here. This is probably a common problem for a lot of people. Uh, an individual who says they've got a lumpy yard. They phrased it a little differently, but they have bald spots and low areas. And when we do get rain, it's a river. Yeah, I understand that. And we have a lot of people whose front yard where they want it to be pool table flat is um, looks like a potato chip. It's so rippled. How do you fix that? Well, a lot of the soil yards will sell a product intended for lawn leveling. And basically, it's a mix of compost and sand. Each particular soil yard may have their various formula or combination. But the idea is you go to the low spots and you put this material down, maybe an inch thick, not a whole lot more. Right now, if you're putting it down on an area that's basically got no green growing, you could go a little thicker. And you put this down and you can roll it out with a lawn roller to help level out these bad places in your soil. Now, if you've got a drop of 18 inches, you're not gonna wanna fill that with lawn leveler. You have to build it up over time. But if you've just got kind of a ripple, if you've got places where when it rains, it tends to run out from there, lawn leveler is the product you're looking for. Again, we wouldn't be doing it in this heat. That's serious labor moving soil, but you would want to get that in place 
before looking at putting down any new sod. And right now is a terrible, terrible time to put down sod because you got to provide it with a lot of water for it to set. And you know what? With watering restrictions, you won't be able to keep up. As hot as it is, the lack of water, you're paying for sod, and it's going to be wasted. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. We're at the bottom of the hour for a news break. We'll be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Um, this, this, this heat we're getting and the lack of water, we are in an exceptional drought. And the lakes are below 50%. I mean, everything is coming together to really make this a terrible, terrible summer. And I'm not just talking about if you're a gardener. I'm talking about simply living here in Texas in this kind of weather. It is, it is really tough out there. Really tough out there. I have the greatest empathy for those who are working outside. It is, I just don't know how they do it. I, I just don't know how they do it. Um, great respect for them. I mean, they're here in Round Rock, they're finishing up on a major thoroughfare that will take a I'm hoping we'll take a ton of traffic away from my intersections where we can wait in a long line through multiple lights. I'm hoping that that really changes the situation. But man, those folks that are out there, there's just not enough safety gear to stay cool in this weather. So got a lot of respect for them. So what about um, what about in the garden things? Your turf grass may or may not come back. Okay, Bermuda is probably one of the most drought tolerant grasses. It's probably brown as can be right now. If you think you even have any. But as soon as we start getting rain, you will see it perk up. It'll start putting on new growth. There will still be some spotty areas in your turf because some parts of the turf grasses have died. It's gotten so dry that the roots, they're no good. Bermuda will grow back. It's an issue of your patience. Bermuda grows pretty fast. So the minute we're back to where we get that thing that falls from the sky, what do they call it? Rain? That is when you start looking at things to use to encourage the growth 
to be as fast as possible. When it's cool enough, and we're talking 85 degrees or less, that's when you would start using, um, that's when you would start using compost, top dressing the soil. Thin layers makes a huge difference, but we're way too hot to be even thinking about that at the moment. So we don't need to, we don't need to worry about it. Let's go to the phone. This is, uh, this is Sylvia. Sylvia, what can I help you with? Um, yes, hi. I've got about 40 roses in my backyard. I live in Lake. Many of them are the, the David Austin, but also I've got a lot of heritage roses and, and the Texas roses, you know, like Katie Road. Um, the ones that are the Texas roses are seeming to do okay, but I've got a lot of these English roses under the UV cloth tents um, because they were just struggling so so badly. Um, but I know it's hopefully starting to cool off. I, I need to get these pruned. I know it's probably still too early to prune, but I need to do that. And also, um, when can I fertilize? Because I haven't fertilized since probably June, late June. Because then I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry about fertilize. it. Yeah, I wouldn't wor worry about fertilizing. That's the bottom of the list. Um, okay. Once it starts raining, then you could look at providing some fertilizer. Right now, those plants, they want water. They, that's just to survive the heat. They're not really looking for a meal, you know. You ever notice in this hot weather, you're just not quite as hungry. You, you just don't feel like eating. The roses are actually doing that right now, too. As for pruning them, if you can stand the heat, you can go ahead and prune them. Otherwise, again, I would wait until it is much more comfortable and easier on you to go out and prune than to worry about it right this minute. If you can get out early in the morning and maybe you prune half a dozen roses at a time mm -hmm. per day, you can go ahead and do it now. The roses will be just fine if you do that. They're probably really appreciating the shade cloth, too. Um, I know yeah. roses are generally a full sun plant, but here in Texas, full sun has totally different meaning than what most gardeners think. So, um, But fertilizer, that's not at the top of the list yet. We're still way too hot, and you're not going to hurt them if you're not fertilizing them at this time. How far back would you prune? All the dead, for sure. And I would deadhead if you have any blooms on there and they're fading. I would cut back. You, you want to cut right above a leaf junction because that's where a new bud will form. And depending on the direction that leaf bud is pointing, 
you could prune back with the intent of trying to get the rose to grow in the shape you want it to. The, normally, the little leaf buds, they go around the rose, and you'll have a bud pointing in the compass direction. Not perfectly, of course, but you'll have four buds. You can trim right above the bud that's going the direction you want it to go. And that will help shape the rose, make it a more open rose, make it uh, uh, fill in in bare areas and encourage the growth. But right above a leaf bud <clears throat> and uh, in the direction you want, that's how you could trim them back. How much? But what I'm, I'm asking is, should I go back a third? I, I know how to prune them, but um, do you think, should I take a third of, of the bush or should I let it stay longer this year? You can let it stay longer. Like I said, if you are willing to go out in the heat, then you go ahead and go prune. I agree. About one-third is the most you'd want to cut back of those roses. Okay. Um, can I ask one other question? Sure. So I bought, I'm not going to be able to pronounce it. I bought a Texas, is it? A nacho, or it's it's an orchid. Yes, anacacho, orchid. Anacacho. Beautiful tree. Beautiful tree. Now, I was reading a lot of things about maybe putting it on the southern side of the house. Um, with some some things I read said put it under another tree. Um, what what are your thoughts on that? It is technically what's called an understory tree. You would mm -hmm. see it growing generally underneath another tree. I have one that gets, um, gets mostly afternoon sun. I'm thinking about where it's at. It doesn't get morning sun till noon or later, and it has bloomed faithfully. It looks good. As a matter of fact, um, I've got to get in there. Uh, some of the seeds have dropped, so now I've got all these shoots coming up that I have to get rid of. But oh. the tree has been really healthy, looks good. Um, the blooms last about a month. I mean, it, it, it's a very pretty tree in the spring for a long time. Very resilient, and I do not give it supplemental water. It's well-established, so... I don't worry about it, and it just keeps going. Well, I have a large redbud tree in the backyard along with a lot of oaks. Do you think putting it under the redbud, it's, it's probably 15 feet high at least. Um, do you think that would be a good location? I, I keep worrying about the winter, you know, when if we have another winter accomplishment. Apocalypse well, we did last for what year. it's worth, for what it's worth, mine has survived the ice storm and uh -huh. the super duper freeze. So, the, if it gets established, it should be okay. Mine is also approaching 15 feet tall. So, if you're going to put oh. it by the red bud, yeah, if you're going to put it by the red bud, 
you want to make sure that you give it enough room to let its canopy come up that tall. It took it a while yeah. to get there, but it it is 15 feet at least now. What tree do you have yours under? None. Oh, none. I used you to have yours out in the open. Yeah. Okay. I used to have it near a Monterey oak, but the Monterey oak died. Oh. And it's it, it hasn't reacted to it, so uh, it's done really well. Okay. Well, I really appreciate your help this morning. Thank you. Thank you for the call, Sylvia. James, I see you there. Can you hang on? I need to take a break. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Uh, James, thank you for hanging on. What can I help you with? Good morning, Jeff. I've been listening to you since the beginning when you started taking over from John. So I've been with you from the beginning. So, well, so thank here's you. My, of course, sir. So here's here's my system. I have a indoor hydroponic um, system with the grow lights, and I'm not going to mention the manufacturer, but it's six feet tall, and each one of the rings holds about six plants. So when I ask my question, just know I'm not starting these seedlings to be put outside. It's going to go in my hydroponic system. So here's the question. I bought four different species of habaneros and a, um, and a ghost pepper packet. So packets of each one of those varieties of plants. And I'm trying to start the seedlings in a jiffy tray with the peat pods, right? So I, I got the yep. peat pods expanded to the right height with the water. I put one seed um, in each one of the little pods for each one of the species. So I've got, you know, five rows of five. And I started them off. I put the, the put them on my counter, and for four days I saw no movement at all. And then I reread the packet, and it said that the seeds do better with a heat mat. And so I went and I got a heat mat, and I put it under there, and you know the the condensation's on the top like it it should be. But I've only got out of the 25 plants or the little startings, I, I've only got one that's actually taken off. So my question is, with the use of these heat mats, is it something I should do from the beginning? Have I damaged those seeds and this one little seedling is like the Goldilocks? Or I, I just don't know where to go now. You didn't damage anything. Okay. The heat mat is an assistance. It's not always a requirement. But some seeds, they need a, a, a certain soil temperature range to germinate quicker. Okay. And you're looking for probably 70 degrees or hotter when it comes okay. to the uh, soil temperature. Now, something like spinach, as an example, it wants 60 degree soil temperature or less. So that's where this comes into play. Your peppers are hot, literally, taste-wise, but... They're hotter germinating plants. The soil temperature being warmer will help them germinate. Number two, how long have they been in these uh, peat things? So without the mat and, and without being under my UV lights, they were in there about four days. After I got the mat, I pulled, uh, moved them over to a table under my, uh, my UV lights. So they've been under the UV lights 
Um, I, I guess combined, they've been in them about seven days. You have no patience. <laughs> okay. There's nothing okay. wrong with these. It can take 10 days. It can take 14 days for them to germinate. That okay. Is, that is not on you. That is just you are just a little bit enthusiastic in um, expecting these to come up so quick. Okay. Peppers, peppers, they can. They can. And in seven days, you should see more than the one that you've got. They should start popping up. But this short period of time, uh, nah, no, no big deal yet. And you really only need light on the ones that are green. So you've got some coming up, and the rest of them aren't. And it's not easy to go, I'm only going to put lights on the ones that are coming up, but not on the others. There are seeds that need light to germinate, but they're not. Peppers aren't one. So the light is really a non-factor at the moment. It's only helping the one that has popped up to get started faster. Is it hurting anything? Nope, not at all. Okay. And all right. So, can, it, so this is just no a patience thing. Just limit. wait another week or so. Yeah, you could be patient. And like I said, there's no eight hour limit. I uh, only turn off my lights because, you know, I'm going to bed and the plants will be just fine while I'm sleeping and I can turn them back on when I get up. So they don't need 24-hour light, and you're really not giving them advantage with 24-hour light. I have them on a timer. It turns off at night. Okay, you've answered my question. I'm just impatient. Okay, I have a question for you. Yes. Do you have um, Rockwell, Flood and Drain, what kind of hydroponic? So can I mention the manufacturer or no? Yeah. Okay, so it's made by a company called Lettuce Grow out of California, and mm-hmm. they have these little grow cups that, that, you know, each ring has six little holes that you put the cups in, and um, typically what I use is I go down to the local hydroponics store, and I get these little sponge-looking, uh, they just drop right into the cup, and I make a little slit when I get my, my little seedlings, and I make a little slit in the sponge. I put the little seedling in there, and I just drop it in the cup, and it, it, it self-waters, it self-lights itself. But that's what I'm using is those little sponge type. Um, I know what you're talking about. With the, They almost look like little fiberglass pucks, but th- these are the sponges. Right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I was just curious because I used to use grow wool and had good success with it. And the advantage was that I could start seeds and grow wool, and the grow wool could go directly into the ground. It would wind up breaking down. And I had good success with that, with a like a hydro start, but a finish out in, in the soil. Um, gotcha. It worked well, but I would love a full system where it's all inside. I just don't have room for one. So that's what I'll do is uh, I did it with the super sweet 100s. I didn't realize when I originally planted them that they'll get six feet tall. So I started them in the system and then moved them outside, and they planted perfectly fine in my, my, you know, my five-gallon buckets. I just took the little sponge out and made a little divot in the soil and dropped it in, and they've been – they're six feet tall now. (laughs) Excellent. Well, James, uh, thanks for the information, and thanks for the call. 
Uh, I'm coming up on the top of the hour, folks, and I need to take a break for the news. I'll catch everybody on the other side.